So welcome to this episode of the Dental Assistant Nation podcast powered by Ignite DA. My name is Kevin Henry, the co-founder of Ignite DA, and thank you so much for joining us, whether you found us through Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere podcasts are available, as well as through drbycuspid.com. So glad you joined us and also glad to be joined by a dear friend, a great colleague, and really a great voice out there for dental assistance and infection control, and that's Mary Gavoni. Good morning, Mary. How are you? Good morning, Kevin. I'm great. How are you this morning? I am doing well. You know, I know you have a long and illustrious history, shall we say, in this uh, industry, uh, past president of the ADAA, uh, one of the leading infection control voices out there for dentistry. What else do you want people to know about you before we dive into some pretty hot topics here? Oh, well, you know, it's it's interesting when I'm talking to especially younger dental assistants, when I tell them how long I've been working in dentistry, which this year is 48 years. Wow. So longer than I'm pretty sure longer than many of them have been alive. But I've I've worked as a chairside assistant. I've been a practice administrator. I've been a hygienist and a dental assisting educator. And I've been working in infection control since the late 1980s. And I, at first, I looked at what we're dealing with right now with the coronavirus as sort of a blast from the past from when we first started dealing with the HIV AIDS crisis in dentistry and how it changed infection control, infection prevention. And it's cycling back again. This, I think, is going to change infection control again. But the the disadvantage, I think, and the advantage we have right now is that we have social media. Back in the early 90s, when we had the transmission of HIV to those patients in Florida, if there had been Facebook and Instagram and, and all of those social media channels, we would have been in a bigger world of hurt than we were. And so there is a lot of information out there about dentistry being hazardous. But the good thing is we can use those channels to get our message out that dentistry really can be safe for patients. Absolutely. And and I think that that's going to be so important when we get back to using air quotes here, you know, dentistry the way that it used to be. But like you and I have talked about, I don't think it's going to be dentistry the way that it used to be. And, you know, you mentioned changes in infection control. What do these dental assistants need to be prepared for whenever they do go back to work full time and, and dental practices start ramping up again? Yeah. Well, I think, first of all, dental, dental practices need to be planning now for ramping back up whenever that's going to be, because they're going to have to be diligent about screening patients before they even get to the office. Uh, in the past, what I've seen in many practices is that if a patient calls and said, well, I have a little cough, um, I, I'm just getting over the flu, and we would say, oh, sure, come on in, we're wearing our face masks, it'll be fine. Those days are over because we don't really know who the patients are for the, the near term who might be infectious with the coronavirus. So... They need to be screening, whether it's when they're confirming, whether they're using one of the, the um, software tools, sending the message out there, please get in touch with us so we can just ask you some questions, or maybe adapting to using some kind of teledentistry to talk to their patients beforehand. We may yeah. see some directives coming from the CDC, and we may see some coming from OSHA. Um, what type of respiratory protection should be, we be wearing? We know that level three masks don't protect us 
from the coronavirus. So are we going to be required to wear, again, in the near term, till this dies down, N95 masks, or is that gonna become the norm? We don't really know yet. Um, I think that practices are going to really need to take a, a hard look at making sure they have an infection control coordinator in their practice. So somebody who can be the point person um, and answer questions from patients. And at, practices need to be ready for an onslaught of questions from patients. There's been so much out there in the media about how hazardous dentistry is that patients may be reluctant to come back at all. It's very possible. And, you know, it's, it's funny you brought up the infection control coordinator. I had a talk with a, a dental assistant friend of mine uh, earlier this week, and that was one thing that she said she's kind of preparing for now is to because she has that role in her practice and what she's going to need to do because she said it's probably going to completely change. So all the research she's doing, you know, obviously relying on a lot of our friends at OSAP for some of that information. Yeah. But that infection control coordinator, again, let's let's be honest, that's probably going to fall to the dental assistant. And, and yeah. So, yeah. So right now is the time to really be learning, right? Absolutely. This I know a lot of practices are just really concerned about being closed down or limiting their practice and it's downtime and oh, I'm, you know, not getting my full pay or, you know, whatever it is. But this is really a gift of time to get things organized, to learn. I've done a lot of of remote trainings with teams that really want to be at the top of their game for when they open back up. And, and this is the time to do it. They don't have the distraction of the patients there so they can really sort of hunker down. And so many of those things can be done from home, especially if they're in a state where they have a stay at home order, they can do a lot of those things um, while they're at home, training, updating, looking at their infection control protocols and all of those things. Yeah, you know, th this may sound really weird. And obviously, I want your opinion on it. But but I think a lot of assistants are looking at this as as almost a reset button that they can see is that practice somewhere they want to go back to how they're supposed to be doing things. I mean, I, I think those assistants who take advantage of this time right now are going to be so much better off whenever we do go back and whenever things start ramping back up. Oh, I totally agree with you, Kevin. Um, this has opened the eyes of many, <clears throat> excuse me, many dental assistants who maybe weren't terribly happy in their position. They didn't feel so respected by their doctor. And now when it's literally a matter of life and death, whether I get sick at work or not, because I don't have adequate respiratory protection. So it could be the reset button for them to say, okay, I want to work someplace where I feel safer, or maybe it now gives them the leverage with their doctors, or even some of the other team members who would say, oh, you know, it's, it's not a big deal, it's not that important, where the dental assistants are typically the ones who are the cheerleaders for infection prevention. They want to do it right, but other people are kind of poo-pooing them and, you know, telling them they're overreacting, and, and, and it's not an overreaction, so they need to be the crusaders. Well, let's talk infection control prevention. And I know, like you said, you do a lot of online trainings and we're going to give your contact information at the end of the podcast. But what's one of the biggest questions that you're getting right now and maybe one of the biggest myths that you're having to bust at the moment, too? Well, the biggest question, of course, is respiratory protection and people wanting to know what do they do? Well, <clears throat> much of the guidance we have from the CDC right now 
is in sort of crisis mode. So what do we do if we don't have N95 masks available? Well, there's alternatives. There's a another mask that comes from China called a KN95 that's not as good as, but it's in terms of particle filtration, it's equivalent. So that or a level three mask with a face shield, a chin length face shield, um, I think OSHA is going to take a good long look at that and want us probably to be wearing shields over our masks for spatter protection. Um, some people are asking, you know, can I wear two level three masks? Well, if you don't have an N95, at this point, if you have to see an emergency patient, it's kind of any port in a storm. You do what you got to do. A lot of people are asking, does my surface disinfectant kill um the coronavirus. And it's sort of a, a catch-22 situation right now. I believe that the products that we have on the market, as long as they are tuberculocidal, and that's the gold standard because TB bacteria are so difficult to kill, that they will kill the coronavirus and HIV and hepatitis B. They make label claims. But um, because this is a new virus, we're not going to see that particular claim until those products go back to the FDA and get approved or cleared to make that label claim. But many products do list either human coronavirus or enveloped coronavirus on their labels. And so I think we can be comfortable that the products we currently have available to us, as long as they're EPA registered, they're tuberculocidal, that we're, we're good there. Have lots of questions about what if we can't get hand sanitizer? How do we clean our hands? And I just say, you know what, in, in the wise words of Anthony Fauci, wash your hands with soap and water. It's, you know, that's the, that's the best infection control tool that, that we have. So people like the hand sanitizer because it's quick and it's easy. But the reality is if you happen to have some debris on your hands, you really do need to use a soap and water wash. And many people skip the step of washing their hands after they take off their gloves. So they should do that. That's part of the CDC recommendations immediately after you wash your hands. So those are probably the top three things that I that I hear. That's, that's such a great point. And I think that, you know, this is the time to be over protective, wash more than maybe you think, whatever it might be. And, Absolutely. Yeah, you know, and, and again, dental assistants, we know that you and your dental teammates, are, you're going to be on the front lines of this in so many ways whenever patients are back in. Mary, is there a word of advice that you would give to those younger assistants who are out there? I mean, maybe they've just gotten into the field and now they're like, oh my gosh, uh, right in the middle of a pandemic, what do I do? Is, is it just being smart and listening to the experts rather than your friends on Facebook about what to do and what not to do? Exactly. There's so much crazy information out there on Facebook. Drink colloidal silver or, you know, make a homemade mask that probably doesn't give you appropriate protection. So yeah, rely on the CDC. The CDC has so much guidance and that information is all in the public domain so they don't have to pay for it, it's free. Um, the CDC has training videos, rely on OSAP, of course, because it's a little more focused on dentistry, but go to the reliable sources and learn everything you can and stand your ground that if somebody tells you your employer in particular oh that's not important then they really have to respectfully 
say to their doctors, I believe it is. And I believe it's not only important for me, it's even more important for our patients. I'm, I'm so glad you said that because I think that now dental assistants can be even a bigger voice of reason and a bigger voice as an advocate for their patients because you're right, there are going to be a lot of patients who are nervous about this. And, and I think if you as a dental assistant can speak up and air your not fears, but uh, concerns, shall we say, I think that that's more important now than ever. Absolutely. And I think this is a time for teams to be meeting, whether they're doing it virtually or they're doing it um, in their practice with appropriate social distancing, but having these discussions, what would it look like from the patient's point of view? Do we value each other? Because this is whether people believe in the seriousness of this virus or not. The reality is what we're hearing from all the experts in infectious disease. This is a life and death situation. So, yeah, OK, so 80 percent of people recover from this. But what about the the percentage of people that don't recover? And we just need to be doing the right thing here more than ever. We do. And, I, and, you know, you're right, 80% recover, but I don't want to even take that chance with me, my family, my friends, anybody. And I think that that's what we've all got to be considering right now is that whole greater good thing. And, that, and uh, so I'm really glad that we've had the opportunity to chat. Anything we didn't cover that you want to touch for the DAs? Oh, yes. One other thing that I've seen in some of the CDC guidance, and we talked a little bit about screening patients for respiratory symptoms and reappointing them if they do. But the other thing that I've seen in some of the CDC guidance is that we ask patients as soon as they come into the practice to wash their hands. So either to use hand sanitizer or if, and a lot of people can't get it right now, go in the restroom and wash their hands so that they don't necessarily bring contaminants into the office. So that that would be a change. Um, you can obviously put up a sign and, and I think patients will appreciate that. Yeah. The other thing is that the CDC is recommending also that we not necessarily have patients sit in our reception areas for a period of time, that we tell them when you arrive, stay in your car, call us from your cell phone, let us know you're here, and we will call you on your cell phone to let you know when we're ready. And so they take them right back into the treatment room from you know walking in the office. Do I think we need to do that forever? Probably not, but in the, in the near term, we probably do. Well, and that brings up one more point, if, if you don't mind, because I I, I've had a couple of, of praxis say that, you know, of course, they're only gonna let patients in now. So mothers with kids are starting to go, what about me? My dad starts going, I always go with your mother to her appointment and yeah. now I can't wait in the waiting room. You know, so again, things like that, I think every practice has to look at and say, what's best for the, the greater good here? Exactly. I've had a lot of calls from pediatric practices. Do we let parents stay in the treatment rooms? CDC says no, no, no visitors in hospital rooms, no um, visitors in clinical areas. And, and that may be difficult. And you could probably make some exceptions if it's like a special needs patient or or something like that. But the norm should be that it is only a patient and the team members in that room. And yeah, maybe those um, family members, your your dad may have to wait in the car instead of in the reception area when you come in. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, it's a new normal. It, it is. And and I think that's what we've all got to remember is that, like you said, is this going to be how it is forever? We don't know. But at least in the near term, we have to be prepared for it. And I think that's important for us to be doing during this downtime right now. Right. We so, do. Yeah, Mary. Uh, hey, I know, like you said, you're doing a lot of virtual training. You're doing a lot of Q&A. I know that you're really out there right now trying to bust through some of these myths that we're seeing on social media and beyond. So uh, let people know how they can get a hold of you if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely. My website is Mary Gavoni, G-O-V-O-N-I.com. And my email is Mary at Mary And so if someone listening to the podcast wants to send an email, um, just put KH for Kevin Henry in the subject line. So I know that you're not a spammer and I'm happy to answer questions, happy to assist. Well, and, and again, Mary, Mary has been that chairside assistant. She spent a, a lifetime championing for assistance and uh, also learning proper infection control and, and prevention. So Mary, so glad that you joined us and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Right. Thank you, Kevin. And thanks to all of you for listening. Hey, this is an important topic and it's an important time for us to be talking, listening to experts and sharing some of the things that maybe are concerning you as we start gearing up for a new normal. And that's what we're all about here at Ignite DA. Make sure you join our Facebook page, ask us questions, drop us comments uh, below. Happy to help in any way that we can. And we're always going to look to experts like Mary to bring into these podcasts to help answer some of your uh, questions. So thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. And in this time, we ask that you stay safe, stay healthy, and stay educated. Together, we rise.